and welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we are analyzing aliens in short, controlled bursts. I'm John Ingle. And I'm Mitch Bryan, and today we're looking at Minute 85, which begins with Hudson talking about being short, short, and ends with Hudson happily agreeing that Bishop should go. Yep. Hudson talking about being short. That's another issue. Uh, this, this discussion that came up on our Facebook page, so we were just talking about one last minute. Here's another one where... In a previous way, way, way back in the in the docking bay prep scene before they go down to the planet, we have a scene that opens with Apone saying, I don't care if you're short, get it done. That's what he says to Hudson. And, you know, I can't remember who was on the show at the time, but we all were like, what does he mean by that exactly? Right? He says, well, right, right. getting short. And boy, everybody got mad at us for even asking the question. They're like, well, we'll think about it later. I'm like... When he says, well, I'm short, four months and out. It's like, he means he's short time or oh, he's, he's ready to get out. Okay, right. And I was like, man, guys, take it easy. We haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> like, we're supposed to ask these questions as people that have watched the, the movie, that are watching the right, movie a minute at a time. time. Yeah, and, right, it, right. and it is a very strange thing to come into a scene with him saying that without any context. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I'm going to go back and defend myself on asking that John, question. John wrote the introduction and I didn't read it before I read it. <laughs> so that's why I sound a little stupid. Um, but... You know, he was loading something into Maybe he didn't have enough stuff. Guys, that, that's a perfectly good explanation for what he meant by short. Short on ammo. He didn't have enough ammo to fit right. into the thing. But anyway, yes, you're right. Everyone is right. That's what he's talking about. We get it right here. Hudson is short four months and out. So this is a, this is a, one of those Never war movie thing. War movie trope. Thing in a war movie is it? It's a or a cop. You know, obviously the, the Murtaugh. The new guy, the new guy, or the guy that's just about to get out. Neither one of those are what you want. In a yeah, war like movie. like McBain's partner in the McBain Four or whatever. This <laughs> is immediately as soon as he shows him a picture of his boat, he gets shot like right there at the bar. Uh, but. So, yo, so this is a good trope, though. I like this. Um, it actually gives me a lot more sympathy for Hudson. He's been whining. We talked about that a lot last minute, but this we, is why he's whining. God, it's I don't blame motivation. him. It's like this is the last detail I got sent on, and oh no, oh, the last detail. I'm always screwed. And this is the one. And so, as soon as he says it, right? Like, I think because he's the, you know, scream queen or whatever you want to call him, because he's the one that that that. that Illustrates the fear for us. Yeah, he's the we know he's part. he's the Lambert. We know he's going to die. We already know that, but we really know it when he says that he's about to get out. Like that's there's no <laughs> way nobody who's about to get out gets out alive, right? In a movie, so never say it. Yeah, even if it's true, don't cop to it. Oh, but it's it's good. It's a good performance. I actually like the natural way that he plays this out. He he does seem to be. Um, truly forlorn here and i like the way that's a classical like putting your hands when i was played football you know when you have the shoulder pads, yeah, you put your hands up and kind of hold them and let your elbows dangle down all this seems very natural and uh, um i think it's really interesting Hudson. too that when we when we get sort of to the we get this dutch angle of him like everybody else is covered in pretty balanced um singles or dirty singles or doubles and then there's this one shot of him where the camera seems to be turned and it really intensifies and visualizes his sense of of doom and dread, and it's, doom. it's it's great. It's great that he can he can have he can generate both comedy and you know pathos. It's pretty good. Yeah, but you know, yeah, God he, bless him. He he certainly comes unraveled here. Like we get Ripley. Okay, there's a couple things to talk about here, but we get Ripley introducing this idea. Okay, the t- the time bomb is ticking, and there's no way to defuse it. What now? Now we need to just get off the planet no matter what. we got to figure out how to remote fly a dropship down from the Sulaco. Plan B. 
plan B. Now, why isn't this plan A, Mitch? Why wasn't this the first thing they talked about after the dropship crashed? They talk about 19 days, is it, or 17 days? I've forgotten. Yeah. Before a rescue team can get there. Why wasn't this? Like, they know they're not going to last. I mean, Hudson says flat out, we're not going to last 17 hours. Why well, wasn't this plan already completely discussed and, and in execution now? If you see what I mean? I mean, wouldn't you oh, rather get the drop ship? Between the time that the drop ship crashes, we put Newt to bed, we do all this other, we gather up supplies, we do all of this other stuff, and we don't come up with this idea. You want another... You want another dropship right away. Well, the you reason, want to get to the Slaco right away. The reason is because the writers, no. the writer decided that we gotta, you gotta work. You could no. I mean, you have to work the dynamic. What's the point of having the ship crash and strand them if you don't strand them for a little while? I get that. So, I mean, I think it's dramatic. I think it's a dramatic license. I don't feel like. I certainly didn't think about this because no. you have to know they did get the plans out. Remember when they got the plans out, they looked at everything and they figured out what to seal. So, you know, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I feel like when the idea comes, it comes at the right time. OK, so what we do get because he did say they were going to play cards. He well, did, they did look at the thing and he said, if we can seal everything up, we'll just sit here and play cards until they come and get us. Right. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, once they seal everything up. But. That's also kind of a tenuous plan. I mean, sealing everything up, Ripley should know. That's why you have that, the army of aliens coming with the sentry guns. And right. Right. But to me. Which is still going on, by the way, if you look at the director's cut. Yeah. Like, while all these decisions are being hashed out or figured out, the sentry guns are just like, bah, 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 bah. they're just blasting away, which is pretty outrageous if you think about it. Okay. So I'm with you on every bit of your explanation there, except that there's a caveat there. You're giving, you're kind of excusing something there. You're saying. Um, I give him license. Okay. Fuck license. I, I, I get it sometimes, but this could have easily been fixed. We have a lot of schematic searching and a lot of planning. And why couldn't something new have been discovered that then gave them the avenue? What What if the idea of getting the sal- a ship down from the Slaco was there, but they thought they couldn't do it? And then a new piece of information. Something yeah, has to happen one, to naturally a, make this plan come one, so late. That's a one, two. Yeah. You know, and I just think that I just think here we are in the, you know, in the second half of the of the second act of the movie, trying to get Plan B up and running, mm-hmm. with a lot of different agendas to set up, and I just think it might have weighed weighed down the whole thing if it had come at the beginning, because in a way, yeah. this idea, this plan that really becomes a formula, formulated plan, if it had been dropped at the beginning of this sequence, there wouldn't have been room for all this other stuff because. Once you once you say this is the plan, you need to get on with the plan from a, from a narrative point of view. I mean, yeah. it would have murdered the momentum of it. So so hold it. Sometimes in storytelling, that's what it's all about. You're you're holding that card, and you're not going to play it until you know that it's going to create a run, and and you can benefit from it. And I don't feel yeah. it's. I mean, I don't feel like it's a problem at all. So you think that your first choice? Now I'm putting myself. I'm I'm not putting myself in the writer's shoes. I'm putting myself in the movie. Your first choice, if if you knew, like Ripley knows, Ripley's a civilian. She doesn't even, she's not even one of the Marines. They all know that there's another dropship on the Slaco. They all know it can be real remote flight down. They do, they also know that the thing, you know, whatever, I forget what it is that Hudson says was, was wasted, um, is, is wasted. So that maybe that plans out for the moment. 
but you think of that first, don't you? I mean, you still you don't want to wait it out with those aliens around. You want to get up to the Sulaco. That's got to be the first thing you're thinking about. So is it is you're you're saying it's bad writing to introduce that and then dismiss it? Yes, I think so. Okay. Just given the agenda of everything else that's being done in this sequence, and because there's so many different threads that are being connected and set yeah. up, and you know the rubber bands are being stretched back, you know, to slingshot the next thing forward, and mm-hmm. I just I feel like it might have been too much to suggest it then say oh no we can't do that and then seven minutes later go hey you know that idea we had maybe there is a way we could do it um and then you've then you have to then you have to hope that the audience actually remembers that idea that you put out there seven minutes ago which they're not because audiences aren't really trained to hold information that way in movies i don't i don't think i mean it's always i'm always fascinated by what you forget and and how you remember so you know what's the old paul schrader thing he says when do you do a setup and a payoff? You try to get the setup as absolutely close to the payoff as you can without it being, you know, feeling like it's phony. And so we don't need a setup for this idea of bringing the dropship down. Let's just, let's just, you know, say mm. that when we need it and use it when we need it instead of, you know, saying yeah. it and staving it off. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'd be interested in if there was an alternate universe cut of the where. It was cut, it, that was mentioned during the inventory scene when they talk about the sentry guns and then they get uh-huh. the schematics and then they talk about stealing everything off. If it was, why don't we just get a dropship from the Sulaco? We can't. There's no way to get over to align the dish or whatever. Um, like especially okay. because those aliens are out there. Right. That's the reason they can't. Right. Okay. Fine. Then if the, if if we don't want to go out there because the aliens are out there, we're going to have to keep them out there and stay in here. Let's move on. Then the th- all the other threads, all the other scenes are going on. Then we get here, and it's desperation times. Like, well, we can't wait it out anymore. Why is it desperate? Because the because, because of the ticking because time the, bomb. Because of the ticking time bomb. And then Bishop says, "Well, I suppose I could, you know, I, 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 that's not the way you'd want no, it said, no. but it's the same thing is happening. Only yeah. we did at least have them think of it in the first place. Uh, I get you. I don't know. I get you. I'm I just kind of arguing I, this point just argue, because it I, feels I have a little more trouble with the whole. Um, the crash must have destroyed the well, yeah, process. That's... I mean, that's a really lame leg, and so I don't, I don't know whether I don't know. Well, that's why that's when you have the the dropship crash. I mean, if you're going back and retconning this whole thing, the dropship crashes into the damn thing. Yeah, and and then it's a problem. I guess then though they would immediately think, well, that's going to be a problem. <laughs> you know, it's not going to be something this that rears its head. Here, what we're doing. So all so this the... is because there's because this movie is a juggling act. Yeah. A much bigger juggling act than Alien was. Alien was so simple and streamlined. And this this is kind of like, it's got two or three different movies going on at the same time. And, and the way all the mm-hmm. characters are counterplotting. And so, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I guess, me, to me, it's I gotcha. a, you got the juggling act in one hand and the, you know, sparks, you know, snapping the finger of the sparks over here to make you not notice when the balls drop every once mm-hmm. in a while on the other hand. Mm-hmm. Fine. That's fine. I, it doesn't make it a bad movie or a, even a weak movie. It's just not as airtight of a movie um, as Alien is, you know, for instance. Right. Alien also is not a juggling act, really. I mean, Alien is a very straightforward story. So um, this is a lot different. And, yeah, you're probably going to drop some balls when you have this many in the air. But it is kind of a drop ball to me. Like, when I have to th- ask this question, I'm like, these guys should have thought of this. This right. should have been 
like in the manual. I guess Gorman's unconscious, so nobody's looking at the manual. <laughs> you know, like you could say that. But in the manual, it would be like if one dropship crashes, remote fly one down, one down and pick yourself up because clearly you don't want to increase your chance, your risk yeah. factor by yeah. staying there. But you're right, though. From a writing standpoint, you're having to go like, well, we're just going to have to. And we're only move these pieces about, down here because dramatically, um, it's um, 10 minutes sequentially, we're talking about, we're talking about 10 minutes tops yep. between the time that they could have thought that up and the time that they do think it up. So you've got to see, this is basically the climax of the sequence is the emergence of plan B yeah. and that tops everything else that the, the, you need to have the time limit come before because that raises the, the stakes and makes it a more desperate situation. So then you got to make this desperate yeah. bid to do it. Because you're right, because I can now see the bad version of what I'm talking about. I can see the, you know, they say, we got to get the job ship. Well, the thing was destroyed. Well, the, there's a dish over there, but there's no way to get to it, right? Because this conduit that we're going to get next week that Bishop goes to, that isn't a way to get anywhere. That's yeah. not what that would be on a schematic. You don't see that and go, oh, that's a way to get over there. Right. Only Bishop maybe could see that, right? So, But I don't necessarily want that plan to be set up here and then Bishop to go, Wait a minute. Hold on. Put the schematic Hudson. Put the schematic up again. Yes, you gotta, if I went, that's a bad scene. That's a TV. That's like six million dollar man shit. Yeah. You know, like that's bad seventies. So don't play the card until you can play the card. Yeah, that would be my. That would be my. Okay, I'm with advice. you. Definitely from the writing standpoint, you're right. Sequentially speaking, the things are playing out as they should. If I'm in the movie, I'm saying, why the fuck did we already talk about right. this? But that's neither here nor there because it's a movie. You know, like it's just something. You know, here we are. We're back at that point where we have to have content for the show. This is something that occurred to me. Yes. Let's talk it out. Excellent. And you know what? We get to the point where we're talking about why they did it, and that's what we're here to do. So there we go. Bishop should go. Bishop should go. Oh, yeah. Hudson agrees. Which gets a <laughs> huge laugh every single time yeah, I've yeah. ever seen the movie. Because we know who this guy is. He says exactly what we... We may not know he was going to say it, but as soon as he says it, we're like, yeah, that sounds like what he would say. And the other thing is it's kind of what we would say, too. The other Send th the robot. I mean, you could say it is the obvious answer. Like, again, in the manual, it would say if... If you have a robot. If the risk factor, <laughs> if the risk factor is this high, send the android. Yeah. He's not human. Yeah. Like, first order of business, save human lives, right? So, it seems really obvious. So when he says, yeah, yeah, you should go, it sounds... It sounds like a little, like, I don't know. You want her to be a little bit more dutiful? Like, you love, like, in, um, I always love the line in Wrath of Khan, right? When they find Chekhov and, um, and, uh, Paul Winfield's character, whose name I'm forgetting, Terrell. Terrell. Yeah. And when they say they're going to go down, now, of course, they have different motives than it seems, right. but when they say they're going to go down to the Genesis, Genesis planet with them, they say, we would like to share the risk. That's one of those lines, like old war movie, old, like maritime film, you know, kind of thing. Like, we want to share the risk with you. You know, yeah. I love stuff like that. That's not what Hudson is. <laughs> Hudson does not want to share the risk. Any risk. And, and you will kind of want him to. You kind of, you're watching this and you're like, what we're getting is a new kind of soldier here. We're not getting the old fashioned war movie soldier. We're not getting the, let's all share the risk together. Yeah. We're getting real people, <laughs> you know? So, um, not that there aren't real people that have, you know, been very brave that's not what well, i'm saying certainly but bishop is brave and bishop is brave of course he's not a real person but he doesn't but he as far as he's concerned he is yeah and that's it you know and again going back that could be a reason like what if bishop didn't chose not to say that he could get over there for the moment for self-preservation reasons again act of omission yeah and that's why he that's why he says that's why he reports on on 
Burke's plan because right. he knows that Burke's plan could cause trouble, and by act of omission, he would be causing human lives to be. So yep. that's what he's he's his programming is working, which is which is pretty cool. Yeah, if he know if he knows he can get through this conduit thing that he's going to go through, and obviously put anyone else going through it would be endangering them, like. It would be an act of omission for him not to mention, I could get through there, yeah. and you wouldn't have to worry about a thing. So, I mean, and then Ripley's response, Corny Weaver's response, is, this is a great moment. I never really noticed it before. There are a lot of things going on in her face when he when she realizes what he said. First of all, she has to get through Hudson to find out what he said, because he says it very quickly. He goes, I'll go. And Hudson continues, like, moaning on about, you know, who's going to go, we're doomed, and she's like, what did you say? And he says, I'll go. And the look on her face is so real to me because it's not just, it's not just a, hmm, well, I didn't expect that. There's a bit of, okay, this android is telling me, the synthetic is telling me that he's going to risk himself for us. And then at the same time, she looks slightly disappointed. And that's one, I think that's a real kind of thing. Like if a human being, if you have a grudge against somebody or a bigotry against somebody, and you find out you were wrong. I think weirdly in our petty way as human beings, we're disappointed for a minute. Yeah. We're like, oh, I was wrong about that. I mean, that's twice, that's twice in five minutes that he yep. has helped her. Yeah. I mean, he is, he has offered something that's. The other positive. one was, yeah, but the other one is more obvious programming. He just right. didn't lie. Right. In this case, he's, he's giving up self-preservation. He's telling her yeah. and he's going to come through. He's the one person here that's really going to come through for us. And, um, he's actually her only, their only hope, right? Yeah. Like, and I, th- and I feel like there's this look on her face like she's surprised. She didn't see that coming in him. And she's a little disappointed. Either she's disappointed that she was wrong or she's disappointed in herself for being a bigot. And I think that that's, there's a lot of that going on all in that shot of her face. Yeah. And it's another moment where Scorny Weaver kills it as this, as Ripley and in particular in this movie where you watch. God, I wonder how many people, how many people do you think argue that she should have been nominated for an Oscar for this movie? I imagine there's people out there like, oh, that was one of those times that they were trying to throw a kind of a token weird genre role in there. And then you watch the movie and you watch very closely how much shit is going on with her, how much she brings to the role. And you go, no, what was amazing about this is that she did this in a genre movie. She, she brought, she didn't, she wasn't really in the genre movie. She's in Ripley, Ripley's drama and the genre movies happening around her. So this is another one of those tiny little moments that would go unnoticed if you weren't watching it uh, one minute at a time, but man, her face tells a lot and it's a great moment. And now she's, she's team Bishop now, right? Like, I don't think from now on, I mean, there's a moment obviously later where um, actually the moment that happens later that we won't discuss in detail should feel like a heel turn to us. Like that's the point of the moment. So actually she should be on his side when that moment comes. And it seems as though he's turned on them uh, or, or escaped on them or disappeared on them. So you're it's good. Way ahead of yourself. I know we're getting way ahead. Of, you know what? You know, it's happened so many times. It doesn't change the conversation later. It always seems to come back and be perfectly rich conversation. I'm so. just really happy that here we are on Friday and we finally got a Star Trek reference. And I don't think yeah, we had one the, the, all week. They have gone down a little. I think we talked about some data last week and so on with, yeah. with Bishop. But, but for us. For us. For you and me to be yeah. back together and to have our, our Wrath of Khan moment. Yeah. It had nothing to do with how Shatner looks in that movie. No, no. It's well, really that's, great. It's really great. Yeah. I mean, we, we all know. Anyone who listens to the Star Trek Minute knows that uh, your thing with Shatner. Yeah. You got that thing. Um, all right. Well, that's all I got for Minute 85. That was a good week. It was a good week. 
All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening this week. Uh, you can find us at AlienMinute.com, on Instagram at AlienMinutePodcast, or on Twitter at AlienMinutePod. Um, we'll close out the week by thanking uh, Pete and Alex over Star Wars Minute again. Thanks again for coming up with us and letting us use it, uh, this minute-by-minute minute format. And, you know, check out the, uh, man, I'm going to say, I'm going to make a guess. There's 80 minute Movies by Minutes podcasts right now, roughly 80, give or take three or four. Over at MoviesByMinutes.com, go check them out and see how many uh, of your favorite movies are being covered uh, this way. So, all right, well, we'll see you next week. Next week, Mitch and I will be back with a guest, um, and we'll see you then for Minute 86.